630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Colorado Avalanche score three goals in two minutes and 32 seconds early in the third period. That is the difference tonight. The final Avalanche four, Edmonton Oilers one. Jujar Kara, the only goal for Edmonton. It came in the first period, which was easily the Oilers' best period tonight. They were the better team in the opening 20 minutes. Adam Larson, a major penalty for elbowing early in the second period. Leon Dreisaitl took a minor penalty while the Oilers were killing that off. They killed off the two-man disadvantage. They killed off all of Larson's major, but they never really got back on track after that. Over the final two periods, the Avalanche outshot the Oilers 36-7. Miko Koskinen did everything he could to give the Oilers a chance going into the third. It was 1-1 after two, but the Avalanche finally get the goals that they needed to put this one away. The Oilers record 16-8-3, one-third of the way through the season. They're 9-6-1 on the road. They go 3-2 on this five-game road trip. Connor McDavid's 11-game point streak comes to an end. That's your Coles Notes tonight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. It's five minutes before 11. Heartland Ford, courtesy overtime open line. Wow, 36-7, the shots for the Avs over the final two periods. I didn't realize that until you just said it out. I knew that uh, the Oilers spent most of the time in their own zone. Uh, you, Your Coles notes more or less summed up what happened out there tonight. The Oilers were, were playing well. They looked in control of the game, felt pretty confident about it. They take the five-minute major, and I know that Bob disagreed. He thought it was only a two-minute. I thought a five-minute was warranted. Either way, the Oilers were going to kill it off. They take a second penalty, Leon's penalty. Now, that one was a penalty. Again, they kill off the five-on-three, but a lot of players on the Oilers' bench got stale, sitting there waiting to get back out in Colorado, despite the fact that they didn't score on their five-on-threes, picked it up. They started to get scoring chances, and they kept pressing and pressing, and the Oilers started to look fatigued. Colorado, despite the fact they're missing a number of top-end players, their depth players are fast. Edmonton playing near the end of a road trip, uh, shorthanded tonight, lost Russell for a while, lost Larson, lost Chase on. Uh, they started to tire, and it affected them. They made poor decisions, and Colorado just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. A number of odd man breaks against the Oilers, breakaways, two-on-ones, three-on-ones. Eventually, they were going to break, and they did, and Koskinen wasn't able to keep him out. 46 saves wasn't enough tonight, and Colorado by far the better team as this game went on. This is the third time this season the Oilers have allowed 50 or more shots in a game. The first time they lose, they beat Philadelphia allowing 52 shots. They beat Pittsburgh allowing 52 shots. Tonight they lose to the Avalanche allowing exactly 50. Koskinen, I mean, just excellent in the second period. And the better chances, except for Comfort at the side of the net, the better chances for the Avalanche were, were five on five. I mean, Koskinen did everything he could. Yeah, it, a ton of mistakes by the others tonight. Uh, mistakes that you don't normally see. I mean, a great example was the the goal by Nieto. The Oilers are in good off, good position in the offensive zone. Puck's coming up to the boards. Klepom has zero chance of getting there. But he pinches. And as soon as he pinched, the puck gets bounced up to Nathan McKinnon. Well, now you're asking a forward to try and back check on the... F- 
if not the fastest player in the NHL, the second fastest. Absolutely no chance. Clefbaum backs off there. It's a two-on-two with a back checker. Uh, you're, you're in good position. Just a mistake right there that, that cost the Oilers on that one. And it, there were just too many odd man breaks. And Koskinen made a number of big saves, but when you're facing two-on-ones and breakaways over and over again, eventually something's going to leak through you. So uh, it was not a great game defensively for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I know you don't want to make excuses, but fatigue seemed to set in, and Colorado is a good hockey club. When they get healthy, they are going to be a team that the Oilers are going to be challenging with if the Oilers want to win a a conference title. So uh, you just found out tonight that uh, if you don't have your A game for 60 minutes, there's teams out there that are going to take you. We'll make Miko Koskinen the fourth star of the game for White Eagle Homes. Built from the homeowner's perspective with thousands of personalization options, visit whiteeaglehomes.ca. Koskinen suffers only his second regulation time loss of the season. His record is now 9-2-2. You can get us at 780-496-0063 by either calling or texting. We'll get to your reaction in a few minutes. We'll bring you Oilers head coach Dave Tippett as soon as we have that ready to go. So this is... Uh, the 27th game of the season for the Oilers, Rob, one-third of the way in. 27 times 3 is, is 81, so we uh, round that off as close as we can. Uh, overall, I, I mean, the record is good, 16-8-3. The pace is for about 105-106 points, you know, if if they can keep it up. Um, you know, mostly, despite tonight and a couple of other disappointing games, mostly positives for, for Edmonton. They've been in most games they've played along the way. Well, they're in most games because of things, some of the things that we saw tonight. Despite the fact they lost, they did get good goaltending. And that's why they're in a lot of games. Despite the fact they lost, their penalty killing was excellent again tonight. Uh, completely frustrating Colorado time and time again. That's why they uh, have as good a record as they, as they do. Their power play really didn't get a whole lot of looks tonight. Normally has been pretty good. And... Uh, tonight was probably one of the few off nights that you've seen with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But this is a this is a good team. Their record isn't by accident. And the thing though, you're seeing, and, and, and you talked about it, the Arizona tonight, they win. They're two only two points behind the Oilers. As good as the Oilers have started, this isn't something that they can just sit on because a number of teams are playing better. We've talked about San Jose. Vegas is picking it up again. Uh, teams that are going to be in the, in the wild card. Uh, who's the team that was... Oh, Dallas is, has been on fire. So the Oilers cannot just milk it the rest of the way. they got to continue to play well. And it's a big home and home this weekend with Vancouver, another team that is overachieving by probably a lot of the, the preseason people who pick teams but they've got a nice hockey club getting good goaltending got a very good power play and another young star in Peterson so uh, and it'll be an entertaining weekend but the Oilers uh, are going to be pretty happy with the way the road trip went for the whole road trip not going to be excited about the way they played tonight 4-1 the Avalanche take it the Oilers played most of this game with five defensemen or less with Larson getting kicked out early in the second period. They played about a 20-minute stretch from uh, middle of the second into the third without Chris Russell as well. Uh, he uh, blocked a shot. We, th- we think he went into concussion protocol and then came back. And Alex Chason injured on the same play. Larson took the penalty. Chason was absolutely drilled by Ryan Graves of the Avalanche. He was. I know that anyone that didn't see the game and, but saw the game a couple weeks ago when Matt Ka- or sorry, when Zach Cassian ran over Nathan McKinnon, this was one of those kind of hits. Uh, we're sitting here in the booth, and when 
Graves stood up on Chase on, and Chase on went flying back. We both felt it. We went, ooh, that's got to hurt, and and it did. When a big man like Chase on, and Chase on is a big man, when he goes flying backwards, you know the impact had to have been huge. Uh, yeah, obviously, or probably, concussion protocol for the game. Hopefully it's nothing more than that, but uh, good on him getting up. But that was as good a clean, hard body check as you will see in the National Hockey League anymore. All right, Oilers fall 4-1. Let's go back to Denver. Here's their head coach, Dave Tippett. Uh, the chase on hit and the penalty and just that kind of started to send things maybe the wrong way for your team, that, that stretch? No, no. We killed that penalty. We get a good kill, kill two men at five on three, and come out. You think we get momentum and play smart after that? We just we gave a game away. There's a, there's, a, there's a game there. If you play smart, last game of a trip, you're hanging around the game, you get those penalty kills. If you just can do some smart things, you can find a way to get maybe a point or grab two and we just didn't play smart enough, didn't play hard enough, and it's too bad because your goaltender stands on his head like that. It gives you a chance, and to to play like we did, other than other than the goaltender and the penalty kill to play like we did, was it's unacceptable for our group. What uh, what do you think happened there? I mean, you, the fact that you guys weren't able to, to to build on that after what usually is a you didn't know play big hard time. enough and didn't play smart enough. What did you think about the uh, Larson uh, call on that play? I think it's a borderline five minute, but that's what they gave him. What's uh, Chase on situation? Uh, I haven't talked to the trainers yet. He's, I think he was in concussion protocol. So we'll see where it is tomorrow. There's a, there is a fine line between you know making excuses and and just not playing hard enough. And it seems like you guys are on the one side of that. I, you know what? I, it's not even the the hard doesn't bother me as much as a smart. The smart, like you, you realize, maybe you don't have it. You you got to be smart. You got to hang around a game, and you, that's that's where we got to continue to learn as a group. You got to hang around a game and find a way to get points on. And maybe you're not at your best, but when your goaltender plays like that, and you not you don't play smart enough to hang around a game to to give yourself a chance to get points, it's disappointing. Oscar Kraftbaum was very critical of the amount of penalties you guys took too. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, you don't. You're going to take penalties. You're going to lose the game, right? But we there was a lot more than the penalties that that hurt us tonight. Well, yeah, pretty good summary there from Dave Tippett. Other than the goaltending and the penalty killing, not a good game for the Oilers. He calls it unacceptable for our group. He says they didn't play hard enough, did not play smart enough, and he, he made a good point. And this is a, a theme not just in hockey, in any sport over the course of a long season. you got to hang around a game. Mm-hmm. They did that against Arizona, and yep. they, they were rewarded uh, with ultimately the victory, and uh, this one just spun out of control. And, and when they came out in the third period, and didn't have any push, then you st- I really started to think, oh, Colorado was going to get something here because Koskinen, you don't know if he can make another, have another 18-save period despite as good as he was playing. So, uh, you know, Tip's disappointed, and he said it, Rob, you know, just, just not smart enough. And you referenced that with some of the pinches, some of the decisions. Yeah, it, it was just, uh, I mean, the one thing that the Oilers have been much better at this year has been their decision-making. They don't put themselves into a, a bad spot, risk-reward. Uh, in, let's, for example, and, and not picking on Oscar Clefbaum, who's been all world all season for the Oilers, but on the one where he pinched, the risk is you give up a two-on-one with Nathan McKinnon, who arguably in the top five best players in the world. Mm-hmm. The reward is you keep the puck in. 
They, that's it. That was all. There was nothing more. The reward there is you keep the puck in, not a scoring chance, not even keeping the puck in to one of your players. You're just hoping the puck hits you and stays in. So that reward isn't worth the opportunity going the other way for McKinnon on a two-on-one. And those are the decisions we saw all night long for by the Oilers is time and time again that they gave up. So they scored two goals on two-on-ones. Koskinen stopped, I bet you, three breakaways in the game. The, the Avalanche missed about three or four other two-on-ones, missed a three-on-one. When teams get two-on-ones, three-on-ones, odd man breaks, that's mistakes by... Uh, those are mental mistakes. Those are non-thinking mistakes. Uh, when a guy gets beat one-on-one, well, you know what? The guy beat you. It was a physical play. But the Oilers just didn't think the game right tonight. And a lot of times, and he talked about it, when you realize that you don't have it, and there's games when you're in warm-up where all of a sudden you're like, legs aren't here today. And you realize that at that point, you say, okay, going to play a little th- smarter tonight. Going to be maybe a little uh, more simple in my game. The Oilers didn't do that. And they paid for it by a team in Colorado that just, they sensed it. Coming out in the third period, they sensed that they had the Oilers on the ropes and they pushed and the Oilers just n- didn't have a push back. Just one goal for Edmonton tonight. That means a $25 donation to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous, courtesy Ascended Financial. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascended Financial. Visit CoveredAlberta.ca. They are kindly giving 25 bucks for every Oilers goal throughout the season. Oh, a lot of texts coming to 630-630. I'll just read a couple contrasting Frustrated fan says, uh, selfish move by Larson, no one around, and he elbows a guy's head. Another texter says, there's no way that's a five-minute major. Uh, the uh, refs are biased against the Oilers. Benning out because of Kane. No call. Oilers goalie gets run. It's evened up. Why can't Ken Holland speak to the league? Better yet, McDavid should refuse to go to the All-Star game. Okay, yeah, though, that's no. No. The, the bending one in the head... Okay, first of all, it's all different refs. There's no bias to, towards the team. The bending one, that, the ref missed it. I don't know how he missed it. I mean, it was pretty obvious where the puck was. He got two-handed across the head. Although, that, so that's a penalty. The one tonight, Larson, that was just... It was dumb. I mean, he stuck... The guy's coming at him, he stuck his elbow right at his head on purpose. He meant to hit him in the head with his elbow. Whether it was uh, hard enough to... To, to draw blood or to take the guy's head off, that doesn't matter. It was intent. You just can't do that. If if Connor McDavid's skating and all of a sudden uh, Nazim Kadri sticks his elbow and elbows Connor into the head where Connor goes down to the ice, we'd be screaming for a five-minute penalty as well as kicking him out of the game. So to me, it was simple. They, that, that was automatic. That is a penalty. And as for the goalie getting run, it was a breakaway. That was the right call. He called a penalty on him. It was Nurse, if he doesn't do nothing, it's a two-minute penalty, yours on the power play. He jumped him, and then actually Nurse got lucky because he drilled, well, I, I'm not sure who it was, I think it was actually Kadri too, drilled him in the back of the head as they were all in the scrum. Well, if it's not a three-goal game, Nurse probably doesn't no, I, the others well, take, take the power play. I don't, I don't know if he does or not. I mean, at that, I, coaches will not get mad at you for defending your goalie on that play. But a three-goal ga- game, for sure, you jump back on them. So, no, there's, there's nothing uh, against the Edmonton Oilers. And Connor McDavid, no, he's not staying home from the All-Star game to protest the fact that Larson took a dumb five-minute penalty. Uh, you know, I, I actually am I, I'm closer to what Tippett said, that I thought it was a borderline, borderline. major. Yep. Uh, I know you're, you're a little more definite that it should have yep. been a major. It, it, it was a penalty, and it did involve something we haven't seen in an Oilers game this season, that a major penalty was reviewed. So well, the refs looked at it again, and they decided to, to stick with their original call. Now, on that, so uh, borderline means it could go either way, and that's the way it went against the Oilers. So if it went the other way and they didn't, then you'd have the Colorado fans, okay, borderline, why is it not a five-minute major? 
I do like the fact that they go to, to, to replay. I do agree with Bob, though. When And it's like the offside thing. The guy that makes the call shouldn't be the one reviewing himself. Because if it's borderline, he's always going to go to the side that he chose. So if he called the penalty, and now he's looking at it himself. But they say it's there to correct obvious errors, yeah, right? True. That's how they work. True, but to me, it's go go to Toronto if you want, but it, it didn't matter. To me, it was a five-minute penalty. Oilers lose 4-1 to the Colorado Avalanche. Whenever the Oilers are able to score five or more in a game, we turn on the goal light, courtesy Japanese Village, on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, and that would allow you to print up a coupon for an appetizer. At Japanese Village. Triple-A steak, succulent seafood, cooked at your table. Celebrate your senses. But the Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to get that. They uh, only get one tonight. uh, Pretty uh, thoroughly outplayed overall by the Avalanche. Uh, Dave in Calgary says, The rule book says if there's an injury on an elbow to the face or a head, it's an automatic five. The refs didn't have any choice there. Uh, Another texter says, If Dowdy had elbowed McDavid out of nowhere, we'd be yelling for a penalty. Uh, another texter says, calls are going to go against your team every night. A winning team wins some of the game when the calls go against them. Can't blame the refs when the bottom six are the only ones on the board. Uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for those uh, texts. We don't, we'll kind of, I think, move off that topic because I, ultimately I don't think it was officiating that cost this, the Oilers of the game. But that, the, that last texture, mm-hmm. you, you know, fair point, especially in the first period, it was uh, the depth guys driving the bus for the Oilers in the offensive zone. Yeah, the Oilers' second line, you didn't notice much at all tonight. Uh, Chase on eventually left the game, but Gagne uh, wasn't as noticeable as he was last game, and Neil, you didn't notice him at all. Uh, Connor and Leon had a rare off night. Uh, they um, they just they weren't as electrifying as they usually are, uh, and they spent a lot of time in their own zone, obviously with the shots 36 to 7 over the last 40 minutes. Now, I will say this, and it's Bob talked about it. The Oilers had some really good scoring chances in the first period. Yeah. Uh, Cassian got absolutely robbed early on a wonderful pass by Leon Dreisaitl. And I know that when you look at the game and the shots are as bad as they were through the final 40, well, that could have been different had one or two shots gone in earlier for the Edmonton Oilers. So the Oilers, were, their first period wasn't bad. But once they didn't extend their lead and Colorado eventually tied it up, they just had no juice left in the tank to get her back going the right direction. So uh, I think the score is pretty in- indicative of the way this game was. This was a game that Colorado, over the course of 60 minutes, was the much better hockey club. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Robert on line one. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, I have a question, and then I have a couple points. My, my question is, where, uh, where were the Oilers last year? 27 games in. Oh, I'll double check right now while you're asking your other question. Uh, then, then, uh, then uh, uh, my other question was, and then, I, and then, I, and then I have a couple points. Would be uh, Larson's penalty. Obviously, it was a penalty. Uh, but do you think that is going to potentially warrant review from the league and maybe uh, a suspension or a fine? Um. I, I, my guess, and I don't know the rules, but I think anytime there's a five-minute major in a game misconduct, somebody's looking at it. I don't think it will be a suspension. It would not surprise me if there's a fine. And in, in all honesty, there probably should be a fine. If you take a five-minute major for uh, an elbow to the head, someone should get fined for it. So I don't think there will be a suspension, but a fine wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, oh, and then, uh, but no, uh, no, uh, 
my first point is I think I think going back to what you had uh, touched on earlier, saying that the Oilers look a little bit a little bit fatigued. I think once uh, once Colorado tied the game, they just they just it seemed like their confidence sort of wilted a little bit, which hasn't happened much this year, which is good. So I think think overall, I think the Oilers should be satisfied with you know going three and two on a on a, uh, on a tough five uh, five game road trip. Now that being said, I think there's you know I think if uh, if they can get the two wins this weekend against Vancouver, I think that would uh, make up for uh, tonight's loss. Robert, after 27 games last season, the Oilers were 13, 12, and 2, 28 points in 27 games. They were fifth in the Pacific Division. Uh, it was a little later than this year. That was on December 3rd. Yeah. Okay. See. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. so like. Yeah. Like a much. Uh, I think. I think. A, uh, I think. I uh, think. Uh, Sixteen, eight, and three. Twenty-seven games in. I think most uh, uh, Oilers fans, including myself, uh, would take that. So I think. Uh, that being said, keep. Uh, keep this. I think the thing. The big thing is they just gotta uh, park this one, forget about it, move on to Vancouver, and uh, the, that's all I got. Thanks, Robert. We appreciate that, and we'll make Robert's last point our adjustment of the game, courtesy of the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Oilers lose 4-1 to the Avalanche. 46 saves in the loss for goaltender Miko Koskinen. Here he is. The game, I mean, it's tough to recover from that. Yeah, I know. It's tough to say, like, we try, try our best, but today it wasn't just enough. Sort of the stretch where they got the three goals, was it just they kept putting pressure, kept coming at you guys? Oh, yeah, they got the, I think they got the momentum in the second period and they they were keep coming and we had tough tough times to come out of the puck with, uh, come out of the zone with the puck, so it was a tough game. Miko, in front of you, what did you see was the main difference in the final 20 minutes as opposed to the first 40? Oh, I don't know if there, I don't think there any, there wasn't any change. Like they were just coming hard, and we were a little bit short of short of guys, and energy levels were not, were not there where we were supposed to be. So you talk about the challenge of playing an Avalanche team that likes to shoot from all over the ice. Uh, you're, you're getting shots from the corner, from the points, in the slot. You know they're a fast, fast and skilled team, and we knew that. And um, they were today better, so there's we need to be better next game. Yeah, they do. That's that's Samiko Koskinen, who uh, did stop 46 out of 50, but takes the loss. Philip Grubauer, the winning goaltender tonight for the Avs, he makes 19 saves on 20 shots. Oilers 0 for 1 on the power play. The Avalanche were 0 for 5. They had 9 minutes and 54 seconds of uh, power play time, thanks to that major in there as well. For the Oilers, Ethan Bear plays 26.06. Darnell Nurse plays 27.59. He gets his 100th NHL point. He assisted on Kara's goal. Connor McDavid led the Oilers in shots on goal with 3. Do you see Nathan McKinnon's shots on goal? I'm just getting there. He had 10 Including six that missed too, so we had sixteen yeah. towards well, the net. Over the shot attempts here, uh, what's fifty six? What's sixty eight and thirteen? Eighty one. Yes. Eighty one shot attempts for the Avalanche. So that shots on goal, blocked shots, and shots that went wide. The Oilers had a 
whopping total of 41 shot attempts. 81-41 were the shot attempts. That's actually probably sounds even better than... They won the 36 to 7 through the final 40 minutes. Uh, Colorado, I, and, and I said we talked about this earlier. Colorado is a good hockey club. That's going to be a good hockey club for a number of years. They are they are built with speed. They got a bunch of all their stars are young kids. They got some other young players that aren't even here yet that are on their way up. A kid named Byron. Byron playing in, in Vancouver right now is a high draft pick as a defenseman. McCarr was, I mean, again, he didn't get any points tonight, but every time he touched the buck, he's electrifying. And McKinnon, he's as close as you're going to get to a McDavid for the style of play, play he make, plays. He is so fast. Absolutely flying. The only He had a breakaway today. The only reason he didn't score is because the fastest player in the league, Connor McDavid, just gets a little bit of a stick on him before he shoots. Uh, not a great night for the Edmonton Oilers, but it was a great road trip. Hopefully it'll set him up for a nice home and home with the Vancouver Canucks. Fred writing in, he says, not surprised the Oilers fell flat tonight. They rode the top guys so hard on the previous two games. Over the long run, the lack of the de- their lack of depth will hurt them, but hoping they can keep some momentum going. Yeah, I, that's a fair comment by Fred, because I think you still wonder about the depth. Though, like tonight, I didn't think the lack of depth hurt them. Kara got a goal. and Well, the well, depth's been better on this road trip. It's been better. Yeah, yep. but I mean, I think fair comment by, by Fred, though. It's a, it's a long grind. It's, yep. it's a long grind ahead, and, and McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't going to light it up every night. Well, I mean, the third line has got zero goals on the air, does it not? Shahan, Archibald, and Russell. That well, yeah. Well, Kara was with. Them oh, tonight. sorry, Kara was but, there yeah. too. Yeah, but yeah, so, Patrick Russell, Shane, and Archibald haven't scored. So, so you know. I mean, they they're doing yeoman's work as penalty kills. But yeah, I mean, most nights, even if the third and fourth liners are contributing, the Leon and Connor are still playing. 24, 25, 26, 27 minutes a night, depending on the outcome. We saw them play over four minutes in overtime the other night. Uh, right now, they show the ability to, to do it game in, game out, but tonight, they did look a little fatigued. All right, we got uh, Tony hanging on the line. Tony, good to hear from you. Go ahead. Um, to do a different you guys, too. Uh, okay, I got a couple questions because, you know, I may not, like, I missed a third period coming home. Um but I was paying attention, and, you know, at two shots on goal, that's just not going to cut it when in the NHL any more than that. Um, when it comes down to it, yeah, I know, you know, I know the fact that Larson's hit was not exactly the, the best thing that we needed, but just before that, would you cons- would you say that, that even though Larson probably will be getting looked at by the head, do you think that the guy who hit us should be getting it too? Because when I was watching the instant replay on that hit – it looked like the, the elbow contacted Chase on his head. Would you look no. at both of them, or would you just look at Larson? That, to me, that looked like a perfectly clean hit. It, it, it did. I thought that was the, it, the, the way you're supposed to throw a body check in, in open ice. It was very similar to the Cassian one uh, last week uh, when he took McKinnon out. I thought it was. It is hard to throw open ice hits nowadays in the National Hockey League because you have to keep your elbows down. You got to keep your shoulders down. There can't be contact to the head. I thought it was a great hit. It, it really was, and you didn't see any of the the others complaining to the referee after it. They knew that it was a good hit, and unfortunately, Chase on uh, got a, a a suicide pass. Was looking back, took the pass. He wasn't ready to protect himself. I I do think though, Rob, that and I'm I'm not saying it's going to be. There's going to be a hearing, but I, I do think they'll look at it well, they look because at, there have been yeah. headshots that weren't penalizing a game. No, you're right. And they, so they always slow it down. It's always mm-hmm. frame by frame, and it's if the primary point of contact yep. is the head. I don't think it was there. No. I think he got him in in the chest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the head always gets 
jostled at around some point, yep. and there may be some contact uh, after the fact. So yeah, I, I think I think any huge hit like that might mm-hmm. gets looked at, but that doesn't mean it's officially call the guy in and no, no, they, no. And all that they, if you get called Is in, McDavid, then... did McDavid get a penalty when he got suspended last year? I can't remember. I can't even remember if he got a Neither penalty on I. that play. But that was he that was not. And there was a few of the last year that players got the exact same penalties. I didn't doubt he got suspended for the same thing last year, doing the where he just a, a flyby where you throw the elbow. Yeah. Should have got one against McDavid later in the year because it wasn't doubty that yes. got McDavid as well. He should. Yeah, have got people a, are writing in about that. Yeah, as, and that you know, and that was right. I mean, but you can't when someone get something gets missed, you can't say okay, well we missed that one, so we're not going to call that one. They all should be called. I mean, on this trip, there should have been something on the Benning play and the Reeves play. And the reason, yeah, I mean, yeah, that should have been well, especially because he got a penalty just after that for doing nothing. So that's what frustrates players. But yeah, absolutely, I would have looked at the reason. That that to me was a penalty. We have Lars on line three. Go ahead, Lars. Hey guys. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to a clean hit like they landed on Chase on, is it a new development or is my memory foggy that guys didn't use to step up and try and fight the guy all the time? Um, no, it, it it's been around when I played. If someone threw a big hit, uh, someone came in and fought him. And it was I always thought it was dumb. Like I mean, it was a clean hit. Why are you fighting? But it was. It used to be all about intimidation. If you're going to do that, we're going to intimidate you. We're going to try and scare you not to do that again. But yeah, no guys come in all the time when there's a big hit, especially when it's to one of your stars. But if a player yeah, yeah. gets hurt, yeah, no, it it's always been that way. It, yeah, it used I mean, to, I, it used I, to be I, worse. Yeah, I, I understand it. I mean, on the, on the McKinnon hit with Cassian, okay, it was super clean, but it's McKinnon. So yes. you're, 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 you have to do that if it's that guy. But, I mean, when Chase Sun gets stood up, I didn't, you know, going back to the Scott Stevens days, I don't ever remember anybody jumping in when he would when he would lay somebody out. Because nobody wanted to fight Jack. Scott Stevens. Yeah, he, was, uh, <laughs> he was a unique, well, unique package. But one of the problems, too, is when – when the game is going on, we're watching it on TV, so we're, we're focused on the, the hit. So we see the hit when it happens. A lot of times when you're playing, you'll hear this big ooh or ah, and then you'll look and your guy's laying down. So you don't even know what happened. So you all, a lot of things you just go in and to defend when you don't know if it was a clean hit, you don't know if the guy tripped over the ref, but your, your first instinct is to go in there and grab somebody. And a lot of yeah. times that's what really starts it. So players don't even know what happened. And then you'll, you'll see guys afterwards watching the Jumbotron. Oh, that's it. Oh, he tripped over the ref. I get, oh, I'm sorry. Now I shouldn't have slashed that guy. <laughs> Lars, you're going to finish the play with us. And by the way, thanks to Bruce uh, just uh, messaging me as a reminder that, yes, McDavid did get a two-minute penalty on that play last year. Oh, good. Uh, and then he got suspended. Uh, Lars, you already have up to eight days parking at Jet Set Parking, the best price on Edmonton Airport parking. Book online, jetsetparking.com. Self-park as low as five ninety-eight per day with the promo code CHED. Now Kara protecting the puck. He's got four goals on the year. Spins away from Cole. Glides behind the net. Backhand wraparound score. Jujar Kara. Lars, I know you're a big Oilers fan, and you've been following them for a long time. What number did Jujar Kara wear before he switched to 16? Was it 54 or 93? Well, news would have had 93, I would think. Um, I'm, I'm... I'm going to go with 54. You're absolutely correct. Hang on the line, buddy, and hope the comedy's going well. Thanks. That is Lars, whose name goes into the grand prize draw for one hour at Fast Track Indoor Karting, valued at 1000 bucks. safe adrenaline-pumping fun, Fast Track Karting, Edmonton.
Com. I'm glad you threw 93 in there because I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can help Lars here. I can't remember what number he was. Well, we like people to, to win, finish the play. That's if, good. If, if I was going to give him a hint, though. I was going to say there was a dance club in New York called Studio... Oh, wow. That's pretty good, Rob. Lars, I think You're Lars has been tonight. there. I think Lars has been there. 780-496-0063. We'll get to a couple more of your phone calls, more post-game reaction as well. Not a good night for the Oilers. They lose 4-1 to the Avalanche. Overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Fort. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Top of the right circle, Sam Gerrard. Back to Kadri. Rich shot save made by Koskinen. Rebound loose. That is Miko Koskinen's save of the game. Kellen Kennedy had a lot of highlights to pick from when it comes to Koskinen. That's courtesy Jiffy Lou, BY's Winterize. He is the best Oiler tonight. 46 saves. He kept the Oilers in it through two. It was 1-1 after two. The Avalanche keep applying pressure in the third. They eventually get three goals in a span of 2:32 early in the second period. Nieto, McKinnon, and O'Connor, his first NHL goal. Kadri scored in the second period, and Kara scored in the first period. Adam Larson kicked out of this game for an elbowing major. Alex Chason injured. He didn't finish the game. Your Dave Tippett uh, say they didn't have any further information on him. So the Oilers' uh, record on the year: 16-8. And three, 27 games in, they do lead the Pacific Division. The Avalanche, 14-8 and two. They are, just want to double check something here. So the Avalanche are f- six and six in the month of November. So, you know, 500 in the NHL is obviously not good enough long-term, but would you take a 500 month without Zadorov for part of the month, without your top goalie for part of the month? Without Rantanen for the month, without Landeskog for the month, without Wilson, isn't was yeah. it Colin Wilson? Wilson, there? Yeah. yeah, Calvert's now hurt. Eric Johnson's out. Is out recently. Like, like we're talking really, really good hockey players on their team, like six, seven uh, of their top players not playing, and they're still keeping above water with their their games. It's going to be a good team. Colorado's a playoff hockey club, and we saw last year they're a playoff hockey club that can get through the first round. Uh, if if they can stay in it until they get healthy, this the team's going to have a big second half push. That's why tonight's a little upsetting for the Oilers because they were playing a Colorado team that is weakened. Eventually, the next time they play them, the Colorado Avalanche could be healthy. Well, they don't play them again until March, so, so they probably how they'll look. But yeah, but it probably will be much stronger team than they saw tonight. You got to take advantage of the teams when they're they're hurting, and tonight Colorado was. Jason Moss, no longer the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, relieved of his duties today. You, uh, you heard uh, some special coverage of that on 6.30, Ched, this afternoon. I'll have uh, more discussion about that on Inside Sports from 6 to 8 tomorrow night. Moss, the head coach of the Eskimos for four years. As we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Oil Kings and their road trip tonight with a loss 5-3 against the Kamloops Blazers. Rough one for the Bakersfield Condors. That's the Oilers farm team. They are scored on five times in the first period and lose 8-3 to the Tucson Roadrunners. 13 NHL games in total. Arizona, like we said, two points behind Edmonton. They beat the Ducks 4-3 in a shootout. The Kings knock off the Islanders 4-1. The Jets roll into San Jose, get a 5-1 victory. Yeah, the Jets playing good hockey now, despite they had a bunch of injuries as well. Calgary Flames beat the Sabres 3-2 in overtime. Elias Lindholm with the game winner, his 12th goal of the season. Bill Peters, 
uh, writing a letter that obviously has been released publicly to General Manager Brad Trayliving, uh, acknowledging and uh, apologizing for the uh, comments made uh, in regards to uh, Akeem Alou about 10 years ago. He does remain the head coach of the Flames. We'll obviously be keeping an eye on this story. The Bruins win again, 2-1 over the Senators. The Bruins are 17-3-5. They are a good team, and, and people say you can't be a top-heavy hockey club, but that team is... They got one number one line that's that would challenge the McDavid dry settle top line in the National Hockey League. Pasternak, another good night tonight. Jimmy Howard started in goal for the Red Wings. He got hurt. Jonathan Bernier, who was sick, had to throw on his equipment and come into net. The Maple Leafs destroy the Red Wings, 6-0. Blues win 4-3 over the Lightning. Rangers win at home, 3-2 against the Hurricanes. The Penguins top the Canucks 8-6. They, it was 6-3 for the Canucks in the third period. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins scored five goals in the last 14 minutes to win 8-6. Capitals get by the Panthers 4-3. Caps are 17-4-5 right up there with the Bruins. The Flyers beat the Blue Jackets 3-2. And in overtime, the Golden Knights get past the Predators 4-3. They tied it. Pacioretty at 19.59 of the third. Stastny wins it a minute 52 into the extra session. So the Golden Knights knows their record above 512-11-4 on the season. That was your Out of Town scoreboard courtesy of Edmonton Trailer. And here on 6.30, Ched, the Oilers lose 4-1 to the Avalanche. Robert calling in. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Hey, guys, how you doing? Quite well. So I'm going to start by saying that you're my favorite after-hours show. You always have been. I've told you this before. But uh, my uh, admiration stepped up a whole nother level. Uh, Rob, I was listening to your comments on the pregame show about the Calgary situation. You don't need to respond here. It's already been talked enough. But i got to tell you, I always liked you. I always respected you. But the comments that you made made my respect go up just a whole nother level if that was even possible so good on you thank you very now much move, i appreciate that now to move on jack michaels made a comment in the pregame show and by the way i'm going to show my age because i told i when i was talking to your call screener i referred to him as al michaels <laughs> <laughs> well we all al's been on a long time so even young people know who he is robert <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway jack michaels made a comment about altitude and my quick background is is i used to live in the mountains above denver about 2500 feet higher than denver before living in edmonton the last 20 years so i know the difference but i'm not a professional athlete heck i'm not even a good amateur athlete but uh but he was making the comment that the thinking has changed recently and don't get guys in there two or three days earlier to get used to the altitude but just do a quick in and a quick out and don't pay any attention to the altitude and so rob i just wondered you know like you experienced it and i'm just wondering what's the um, what's the line behind this current thinking and just any open comments you have i'll shut up thanks robert uh, it's funny i heard jack talk about it as well and it surprised me honestly i i didn't know that that's the new train of thought I know that when I played that we tried to get there earlier if we could. 
they always liked us to practice there once to get used to it. It is noticeable. It, it really is noticeable when you're in the thinner air up there. You 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 get a loss of breath much quicker. Your your shifts are shorter. You feel it in your legs. I honestly am not smart enough to know why the the train of thought has changed. Um, I would imagine whoever came up with it, I, my guess would be in, involved with football. I would think that the teams going into there to play against Denver, I mean, they, they got bigger players, and they would want to make it as safe as possible and make it, give them the best opportunity to win in Denver. So they're probably doing every test possible to see what is the best combination of when to get there, how to get there, what to do, what to do with oxygen. But I, I, I have no idea why it is now come in day of or come in and be there as little as possible. But I'm guessing there's some sort of science behind it. But it was it was news to me. I had no idea until Jack said it on the radio as well. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out more about that. But there's so many tests on athletes and I mean, it's funny when, well, it's not funny, but when the, they do the the fitness testing mm-hmm. the first day of training camp. There's nothing funny about fitness right, testing. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it, but it's not just, it's not only a test of your fitness, it's to get baseline levels. Yes. Yep. Okay, this guy's trained all summer in a controlled environment. He theoretically should be coming in, not fatigued, not beat up for a season. And that's, you know, then that's when they get the baseline testing for concussions and yep. all that kind of stuff too because they both they'll ask questions and do all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff so there must they must be comparing your you know the baseline testing against okay how long were you in altitude how much was that affected how much did your fitness drop or your recovery drop? well it, it's amazing when what they've done with testing how far they've come i mean f- for us i mean for just even a small thing nowadays it used to be you, you never you rarely got days off during the during the season they they thought okay practice more practice more the more you practice the better shape you're going to be in that's going to help you in games now it's the opposite as the season moves on they, they barely practice they've got mandated days off uh the practices if they have them are short as the game goes as the season goes on there's no more morning skates so it's gone the opposite they realize how important rest is so they it's getting better the athletes today are a thousand times better than the athletes when i played because they're better trained they understand what to train where to train what to do what not to do what to eat what to drink all these things for us it was chicken wings and beer on the plane i'm sure it's a little bit different nowadays <laughs> that's why the athletes today look a little different in the team pictures than they did in my years Oilers lose 4-1 to the Avalanche. Uh, I think you could have played this game at sea level, underwater, wherever, and uh, the Avalanche were simply better tonight. We have Keegan calling in as well. Keegan, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks. I'm just looking for your guys' thoughts on when Copper ran into Koskin in there and Nurse uh, retaliated, but he didn't really retaliate very much. And I, I'm just kind of thinking of my thought is that Copper should have got the extra there. Uh, that's all. I'm just wondering your thoughts. Yeah, Keep good. Up the fair work there, fellas. Yeah, yeah, good question, because we were talking about... The, I mean, definitely uh, goaltender interference on comp. I didn't think he did enough to avoid the collision on the play. I agree. I thought it was two minutes. I thought that was a great call. Now, I don't know if the penalty... Did, was it just two on? It was just two minutes each, wasn't it? Or did yeah. Nurse get four minutes on? That was two minutes each. Yeah, Nurse got two for roughing. Yeah, and so, Comfort so, got two for goalie interference. I don't know if the the penalty to Nurse was when he grabbed the head of Comfort, because a lot of the times, if somebody does something that crosses the line, the refs calling a penalty. The refs usually give you a little bit of leeway. You'll come in, you'll be able to grab the guy's shirt, maybe give him a little teeny love tap, and the refs will say, "Okay, enough." 
and it just call the first call. But if you see after nurse pulls him off of Koskinen, he rabbit punches someone in the head. And I'm pretty sure it was Kadri. And it was just very at the very end of the little video they show, he dribbled. So maybe that is when he got the roughing penalty. I'm not sure. At that, at that part of the game, I'm all on whatever nurse wants to do. I mean, the game's over. A guy just ran your goalie. You hate Kadri. Do whatever you want. Take the extra two. We'll play four on four. So uh, I, I, I understand the thought, like, why, how the others do not get a power play out of that. But I think Nurse was making sure that he sent a message that that was unacceptable. All right, we have KJM as well. KJM, good to hear from you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, just a couple a couple comments. You know, I, I was trying to think about, you know, like uh, the thinking on the altitude. And my guess would be, you know, uh, going back to what you guys are talking about with rest being considered so important and everything, um, that uh, my guess would be being at altitude immediately starts grinding on your body. And, um, you know, I mean, acclimatization, uh, as I understand it, you know, that's more of a long-term thing. Like, I mean, like, I I know that this isn't Mount Everest or anything, but when you talk about, you know, people going to, to different spots on Mount Everest, acclimatization is something that takes, you know, four or five days a week, maybe maybe even two weeks, depending on, you know, like on that. So, you know, the idea of getting in and out, you know, with the least amount of grind and wear on your body um, seems to make sense to me. I always thought that it was interesting that they would go in and, and acclimatize because it didn't seem to make sense to me that uh, that they would really have a lot of time to acclimatize. Not like the team, not like a home team that spends all all their time there anyway. Right. So um, that's that's just my two cents on that, and what I thought. I'm not not an expert on that. Or no, anything, I think but, you have uh, a point because there's less oxygen available, and, yeah, and you true. make a good point, KJM. You're not going to get completely used to it in an extra but 16 hours being in the city. I really, really hope right now that all my buddies' wives are in bed right now that go on the golf trip with me because I tell our, we tell our wives every year we have to go two days before the golf trip to acclimatize ourselves to whatever city where do, we're in. Where do you go? Uh, last two years we were in Nashville, so which is not at altitude. It, it is. It is probably you need to get there early <laughs> to prepare your body for six days of putting it through a lot of pain. So yes. So for all the wives that are out there, KJM is wrong. You do need to go in early and acclimatize wherever you go when you're on a boys trip. Three goals early in the third for the Avalanche. They beat the Oilers four-one. The only goal score for the Oilers tonight, Jujar Kara. Here he is. Well, Jujar, you guys go into the final frame tied up, and uh, it just seems like things started slipping away, especially with the depleted back end. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, stuff like that happens in the game, but I don't think there's a there's an excuse really. We uh, we could have played smarter, um, but we didn't, and uh, you know, we we have to learn off this one. I mean, there's no excuse, and we know that in the dressing room. Uh, in terms of gameplay, what was the big difference between the final frame and the first 40 minutes you guys had? Um, I think I don't think we were we were able to keep up the same pace as the uh, first two periods. I thought the third, yeah, we were a little depleted, but I think in those situations we just have to uh, figure out a way to play smarter, not harder. Now is that a is that just a combination of it being the final game of a long road trip and and just guys kind of coming off a couple of days rest? Um, I don't think so. I think um, you know those are those are excuses, and we don't want any excuses in here. This is you know we're going to own up to this one, and we're going to learn, and uh, we're going to grow as a team. Yeah, I think that's an ongoing theme tonight. You got to play, you got to play, you got to play smarter. And mm-hmm. the decision making wasn't uh, wasn't there tonight, and the Avalanche ultimately made the Oilers play with a four-one victory. We'll get to a couple more of your phone calls. It is a quarter to midnight. 
Heartland Ford overtime open line on 630 Chet. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Oilers are now 16-8-3 on the season. They suffer a regulation loss tonight to the Colorado Avalanche. 4-1 is your final. Uh, if you missed this little tidbit earlier, the final shot's 50-20 for the Avalanche. 36-7 over the final two periods. Pretty ugly. Third time this season, the Oilers have allowed 50 or more shots in a game. Kind of ironic because they are generally a better defensive team. And the first time they lose one of those games, they allowed 52 to the Flyers, one Allowed 52 to the Penguins, one in overtime, but uh, no dice tonight. Lose 4-1 to the Avalanche. Yeah, they didn't deserve to win the first two games as well. Maui Zach is calling in. Maui <laughs> Zach, good to hear from you. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, first of all, I'd like to agree with Robert earlier, your my favorite show, uh, uh, post-game or otherwise. Maybe Oilers now. I like the Oilers now, too. Well, thanks but, very uh, much. Uh, well, and my com- my comments on the game today is man, it could have been a lot worse without Koskinen. Um, and I haven't I haven't missed too many games, and but one of the games I miss here in Maui is because uh, I watch it on NHL.com. LA, LA and Anaheim are blacked out, so I didn't see the LA game. But oh my, that was an ugly ugly game tonight. But, and uh, you know, but but uh, while I'm in the mood for excusing them. On the uh, you know because they've been having a good season otherwise, you know the thing about elevation and lack of oxygen there. It's everybody always talks about the wind, but I think more importantly is there's less oxygen in the brain, and you're not making the snap decisions that you would otherwise. Obviously, they were choosing to pass instead of shoot too much. Oh, when uh, you know could have had power plays and had undisciplined you know, uh, reactive penalties tonight. And even though I agree, uh, you know, nurse has got to do something after, after this goalie gets run there. Um, you know, at that point it's, there's, there's still 12 minutes left in the game, right? Not that they ever mustered anything and I'm not, not totally opposed to it, but, uh, that one. And, um, and then what's the Archibald took an undisciplined one there too. That could have been two power play goals right yeah. there. So, yeah, you're right. You're right on both cases. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks, Maui, Zach. Yep. Hope life's going well, buddy. Yep. Thanks. Bye. 780-496-0063. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, whether it was altitude or just bad decision-making. I mean, that, that pinch by Clefbaum, I don't know if he's made a bad pinch this year. Not to that extent. I mean, no. he, that, he had, that wasn't even a 50-50 play. Like. There was there was zero chance. The only way that, that, was gonna keep, that he was going to keep that in is if the, the Colorado player panicked and threw it and hit him right. because there was no way he was going to beat that guy. The, the, the avalanche guy beat him by what eight feet like he was he got the puck pulled it to the side and made a pass before Clef could come we've seen oscar in the past make pinches like that he'd taken that out of his game tonight that was you know a non non-thinking play it was a bad play andy calling in as well andy good to hear from you go ahead yes uh i got a i got a comment for rob uh, why why would you pinch when you're up one to nothing? What are you trying to gain, especially when you know your pinch is not going to do nothing? Uh, like the reason I'm asking you because you you you've played hockey all your life. 
Well, I, I, you, you don't. There, there's a rule when you pinch. You take the body or you take the puck. If you take the body, well, good. Well, the, the puck may go past you, but you, your, your other defensemen are going to come pick it up. You take the puck, well, good. Well, now you keep the puck in play. If you're not going to get one of the two, you back off and you, you, you fight another day. And the Oilers today, they made a lot of dumb choices when it came to pinching. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw out a number nine odd man rushes in this game, something along that line. And every one of those was just a poor decision made at the offensive zone. So, yeah, you're right. There, there's no way they should have pinched on a number of those plays, and it came back and cost them. Uh, this texture says, I don't understand Tippett's reluctance in calling a timeout too many times this season. We've seen the Oilers bending and bending and finally breaking, which leads them to giving up goals in bunches. you got to rally the troops while under siege. You know, we've been asked about timeouts before. McClellan didn't use them a lot. Did it, I thought Tippett called one this year. He did. Well, he called one in overtime against Arizona. Oh, that one, yeah. I thought he called another one when they'd given up. Uh, you, I, I'd have it in my notes. You, you, know, you, you try to save it for the most important time. Um, say you get stuck in your own zone for three minutes, you ice the puck, and you need to call a time. Oh, actually, you can't do that anymore, can you? You can't no. call a time anymore. That's what they used to do. The only pl- the coach that we saw that called the timeouts the most was Dallas Aiken. He wasn't afraid to call it at any time. Maybe five minutes into the first period, he would call a timeout. So uh, most coaches, they like having it in their back pocket. I understand the the texter. There are times that maybe you want to change the way the, the game is going. I mean, players used to do things. They used to break their sticks on purpose. So the goalie would pretend that his <laughs> yeah. pad was undone. Anything to try to slow the game down. And, yeah, the, I, I agree. There's at times where you think, okay, maybe we should slow this down, have a little talk about what could be could yeah. could be better for our team. It's an interesting question. Obviously, in hockey, you, you only have the one. And, and, okay, so after the McKinnon goal that makes it 3-1, that might have been a time to use it. Does it prevent the fourth goal? We'll never know. Even in the second period, when it's it's 1-1, but the puck's never out of your own end, <laughs> could have there been a time that he could have called Yeah, I, I agree. You could even... You could even bring that up as a what if. Well, and the one thing that the coaches do, do do also know is they know exactly when the TV timeouts are. True. So sometimes they're true. Okay, if we just get another 30 another seconds, we're going to get a, we're gonna get the TV timeout and we'll be able to, to rest the players and talk to the players at that point. All right, we'll just get to a couple more uh, guys quickly here. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 4-1 to the Avs. Nathan, go ahead. Hi, Reed. Hello. Hello. Uh, I got something for Rob here. Do you think the physicality was there for the Oilers tonight? No, I don't think they were near as physical as they were in Vegas or in Arizona. I thought Colorado was the more physical team. I think they responded after the game that Edmonton gave it to them on home ice, and I think they came out were a much more physical team than the Oilers were tonight. And uh, how about Goulton? I think that was pretty good, wasn't it? Koskinen was excellent tonight. He, he Koskinen and the penalty killing were the only things that were good about the Oilers tonight. Yeah. They, I think the Oilers were a bit more physical in the first period, especially, like we said, some of the guys on lines three and four, but that mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't really maintained, maintained nope. for sure. All right, we also have Goodfella going to get the last word. Go ahead, Goodfella. What's up, Paul? Glad, glad to get the last call here. Uh, quick question, or I just wanted to get you guys' input or maybe a comment to the people out there who are kind of losing their cool... Um, End of a road trip, pretty tough road trip, I think. Uh, uh, went 600 on the road trip going into this. Um, everything else after that, I think, is bonus. Uh, I think we're still eight games above 500 after the entire, yep. after today. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, what do you have to say to the fans out there, quote-unquote fans out there, who are kind of 
uh, already complaining, saying we need to sign another high-scoring winger. And a lot of people are like, oh, we needed a tough guy today. What do you have to say to those people? And I'm very interested to what, what you guys have to say. I think the numbers don't lie, especially after, you know, almost 30 games. But uh, I'd like to get uh, some reassuring or non-reassuring comments from you guys if they are that. Uh, and I'll just, uh, I'll just hang up and listen to what you guys have to say. Thank you. Well, I think every team in the National Hockey League will say that they need something. I don't think any team is satisfied with what their team is right now. I think they all know that they can improve. But you look at the standings. The Oilers right now are where they are because they deserve to be there. They haven't gotten there through luck, through gimmicks. They've played good hard hockey with good goaltending, great specialty teams. So there are things that they could use to make them better, but so could every other team in the Western Conference could use something that could make them better as well. Yeah, and Ken Holland did the interview with Bob earlier this week where he said in terms of acquiring something, I mean, he came out and said probably that's probably a January-February decision. And, and we get it. You know, there's concerns about depth. Uh, what if a, a player or two drops off? Absolutely. But I, I do think for the most part, except for probably a couple goaltending thefts, mm-hmm. you know, they've... They are their record. You know, they've, they've they've had a lot of pretty good games, too. I agree. There's some very good teams out there right now that wish they had the Edmonton Oilers record. Tonight was not a good game, though. The Avalanche take it to the Oilers 4-1. Next broadcast, Saturday, 6.30 face-off show game at 8. Oilers back home to face the Canucks. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy and Angie Quinnell working in the studio tonight. Overtime Open Line presented by Heartland Ford. You can get more on the Oilers and the Eskimos firing of Jason Moss on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.